Hi there, it's Dee. And today we're going to talk about five lies we tell ourselves about change. So everybody and their dog is on about change these days, right? It's everywhere. Signs and shirts and coffee mugs and mantras and affirmations and courses and retreats and leadership strategies and podcasts everywhere. And I find this intriguing, seeing as many people are change averse, which is just a fancy term for hell no, I won't go. Despite the lip service given to the idea and embracement, which is totally not a word, um, of change, I'd venture that most of us, when faced with the specter of real change, panic. Maybe it's a modern thing. We're pretty accustomed to our cushy existences in, in much of the world. The cushy, predictable lifestyle is the envy of many, if not most. Realistically, the types of change found in the past or even less stable environments are the stuff of scary stories. Famine, drought, war, disease, dislocation, disaster. Nowadays, we don't even want our temperatures to fluctuate two degrees. If our love of air conditioning in the home, in the office, in the car is any indicator, never mind our current situation of turning up the planet's temperature by several degrees. So we want our food to taste the same. You get McDonald's. Our television shows to look and feel the same. Our celebrities to fit into a certain box and size. Our music to fit a certain aesthetic. Our houses to look the same. And if you come to my neighborhood, I swear to God that every person that has purchased a lot for an infill has contracted the same, one of the same two plans that look like black gray Lego knockoffs. They are the like, ugliest houses and in 10 years everybody's going to be like but they're all doing it now so when our clothes to be the same palettes styles and fabrics for instance uggs and i say that intentionally uggs and our children to be round pegs in round holes so yes when the c word change you naughty little people, uh, comes up, you can hardly be blamed for having your heart skip a beat or 10. Your experience with change has probably been unpleasant, forced, traumatic, sudden, shocking. So let's look at these five lies we tell ourselves about change. So the first one, and I've kind of been hinting at it, is it's too scary. This is my first item because it's the one that most people say first. So granted, if change has been something that happens to you, then it does take on the specter of the unknown and that generally is scary. But take a moment to consider my next question. What makes change scary when you choose it? In other words, if you embrace change, with agency, does anything change? I know that for me, when I actively choose change, my attitude tends to be totally different. It can be scary, certainly, but the quality of the scary is different. It's, it's an anticipation, anxiety, waiting kind of scary. 
it's when my imagination can run away from me, like far, far away from me. But it's also an exhilaration scary too, kind of like amusement parks or fun houses, neither of which will ever catch me again in this lifetime, but you get the idea. So that's our first lie. Change is too scary. It is scary in various ways, but change by choice is not insurmountably scary. That's just something we tell ourselves to try and explain away the choice not to change. So that leads us to our second point. It's too hard. So the choice not to change is a place we often arrive at for two reasons. One, because we're just bloody lazy and we don't want to put the effort in because change does require effort. Or two, we're looking at where we are and we cannot conceive of the process or the benefit of the change. In other words, a failure of imagination. So this is often the case with, let's say, health-related change. Quitting smoking is too hard. Getting fit is too hard. Changing your family's eating habits is too hard. Undeniably, these things can be hard. You will stumble and fail and get pushed back and bitching. You will hate the whole process sometimes. And you will most probably want to return to your current situation because it is, frankly, easier. You know it. You're comfortable with it. Even when you're still uncomfortable, if you know what I mean. So learning to push outside your comfort zone as a woman is just the same. You will stumble, fall, get pushed back, and bitching. You will hate the process. And others may also say they hate you. In sh it's short term, by the way, but 9.99 9 times out of 10. And you'll want to quit. That's a fact. Which is why you need to leverage your imagination before you start, as well as have rock solid support and well thought out and provisioned goals. These are the magic sauce of change, especially when the ghost of too hard makes her inevitable appearance. So this leads us to number three the lie of it's unnecessary. Often when you get to the point of imagining and contemplating what it will take to enact real, powerful, permanent change, you can kid yourself into believing that it's actually unnecessary. Sometimes it's true. For instance, my husband is the master of coming to me to tell me he needs to change the vehicle. Why? His car is old. It is 12 years old, has minimum mileage, and looks as good as the day he drove it off the lot. Does he need change? Well, from the strict per standpoint of needing a new car, he does not. However, when measured against his perception, then he'd say yes. In this instance, I believe it's unnecessary. He's convinced it is necessary. Who's right? It's impossible to say, right? But what about a situation where your relationship with your teenage daughter is an absolute dumpster fire? Your friends tell you that's the way it is with teenage girls and justify it with their own disastrous relationships. It's killing you and it's tearing your family apart. 
do you ignore it because this is normal and you'll get through it? Neither of which may necessarily be true. You can take this tack, and many do. After all, going through a relationship teardown and rebuild with a teenager is <laughs> it's harrowing at the best of times. This will be over soon, so why bother? Do you hear flickers of too hard in there? And even deeper, too scary? Yeah. These lies we tell ourselves frequently cohabitate. They live together. They're all like up in each other's business. And like I stated earlier, having the imagination, support, and plan. Mind you, the plan needs to be flexible and goal-oriented. And also having resilience makes it doable. Only you can decide on the necessity part. But one thing I invite women to consider is the cost of not changing. When we take the time to do that type of math, the answer almost always shows up loud and clear. And yes, the equation lands on the side of change. That leads to number four, the lie of it can be avoided. Short term, sure, maybe. But here's the thing about change. It will find a way. I explain it to my sons like this. You can do this the easy way. You can do this the hard way. The only choice that you're getting is whether it's the easy or the hard way. Life operates along these parameters in general, right? Like think about it. Don't you don't want to work on your communication skills? Your relationships fall apart or they're just shells. Don't want to take care of your body? Eventually, it will begin to fall apart too. Don't want to do anything hard. Usually, it's either thrust upon you with no choice or preparation or anything, or you manage to get through life without doing anything hard. And you get to the end and realize that you merely existed. You didn't live. You didn't stand up for what was right. You let injustices continue to happen. You spent money you didn't have. Yeah. All of it is avoidance. And we're all guilty from time to time. All of us. Like, I hate exercising. Like, hate. But I know that about myself. But trying to believe that change can be avoided is a straight-up lie. So my dad has been telling himself this for a lifetime, that, that change can be avoided. And I assure you, it doesn't work. About the only choice is the one I give my sons. You can exert agency and vision on the changes in your life, or you can be a spectator and or the person who has to clean up on aisle seven. Which leads me to our final lie for today, which is other people won't be able to handle it. So depending on the nature of the change or changes, this might be true. It might be short-lived, so like an adjustment period, or it might be permanent. However, I would ask you to consider something. If you aren't changing something in your life because you believe that someone in it won't be able to handle it, 
your challenges might not be with the change itself. It may very well be that the nature and the terms of your relationship or ships are what is needing change. Now, before you flip out on me, let me paint you a picture, a few pictures. So back about six years ago, I decided that I wanted to run my studio out of my house in the good old pre-COVID days. My sons at the time were 10 and seven, and it was going to require fairly significant change, um, including things like negotiating supper prep and timing and rules around where you could be and when, sort of like in the house space, because I had to keep a professional space and a quiet space for the work, like self-control and being responsible for self-entertainment, commitment to not bothering mommy while she worked and, and deferring questions and complaints to daddy, right? Would you believe that the hardest of them all was that last one? My sons seemed constitutionally incapable of asking their father for anything. Like, daddy, can I have a snack? Or daddy, can you help me find a pencil sharpener? Like, I have always been super organized with systems and lists and calendars and so on. And my kids are quite self-sufficient. They know where this shit is. But it was like everything I ever taught them disappeared overnight. Like even my husband flailed. The first year was bad. My younger one disrupted me all the time. And thank God he was so cute because people were quite forgiving when he was cute. But I knew there would come a day when it wasn't cute anymore. And people were paying good money for this time, like really good money for this time. And my elder son was just plain insulted that I dare work when he might want me. Never mind that I'd worked his entire life. It was that in the past I had worked, I, that I wasn't working visibly, but now I was working visibly during his waking hours. And that's what offended him. Because before I would work before he woke up and I'd work late at night and I'd work on the weekends, although that was getting the help on the weekends made it a pretty rare sort of thing. And on vacations. So basically my work schedule was designed to accommodate my family and sacrifice myself. Sound familiar? Right. Care to guess how long it was before I was mightily bitter? Right. No time at all. But then I berated myself. I should be ready and available to my children. After all, they're only children for so long. I should make supper and attend to the children in the evening. The studio ran from about 3.30 to 8.30 because I was trying to balance their homeschool schedule in there too. Um, and my husband had to work all day and, and he did make the breadwinning wage and mine was merely a hobby job. How could I possibly put what I wanted? So working with clients and at times frequently other people's children ahead of my own children. Name the guilt trip, and I guarantee I've been on it. Then I had the experience of being hugely successful in this enterprise. I had 40 clients a week and a wait list, and this didn't make anything better. It made it worse. So I kept working 
and of course we could get into a whole thing around boundaries another day we will but i kept working homeschooling homekeeping mothering coordinating scheduling planning and so on as well as preparing so prepping meals and often cooking them after finishing studio or running in between by the time the end of the year and any given year came which was late may i was well and truly burnt out it took most of the summer to rejuvenate and then i was right back into it i was angry and bitter and exhausted and embattled and lonely and desperate ever been there so i decided to make major changes i was sick about them sick because i was sure everyone would be angry and by everyone i mean my clients my family was already angry because i wasn't cutting back but what i decided to do is that i would no longer schedule clients weekly because before this i was seeing each one of them for half an hour apiece but now what i was going to do was see everybody bi-weekly but i'd see 20 on one week and 20 on the next week and i'd alternate and then I changed it to 55 minutes instead of 60 minutes so that I had five minutes to go to the bathroom or do, I don't know, look out the window or something. Because previously I had worked back to back and that was brutal. So I built accountability measures into the system with strong contractual language about the nature and parameters of our working relationships. And there's a reason for that. There's lots of reasons, but here's a really telling one. Once um, about 30 minutes before I was even supposed to start in my day, I started to hear the piano play. And I'm like, what? And I go in to find out that one of my clients had arrived half an hour early and just walked in the house. My mistake for being prepared and having things unlocked. But anyways, they walked in, walked into my living room, sat down at my piano, unbeknownst to me, and without obviously my permission, and started playing the piano what what so yeah that had to stop <laughs> so and also these changes extended to my family so my sons were now responsible for cooking meals a few nights of the week along with like a regular list of chores like bigger than before and their school responsibilities and i would assume that it was done i was no longer going to check daily and that one bit me in the ass a few times i can tell you but much to my complete shock, after I made these huge changes, not a client left. In fact, every single one of them commented on how smart it was and how they wished other people would do the same thing. Blown away. My sons mostly rose to the challenge. My husband became better at managing his time instead of staying late at work or going for a beer and getting supper to the table on time. So the kids' activities weren't being missed because in the past they were because I wasn't there to remind them and they just couldn't remember from day to day. So interestingly, this year of change became the impetus for even bigger, far-reaching personal and professional changes because, because I've made big changes, albeit fearfully, and I didn't die. In fact, I was healthier and happier and more content and more productive than I'd been in a very long time. I lost weight, my relationships improved. I was a better human because I took the risk that others couldn't handle it and did what I needed to do. Turns out it benefited them too. It doesn't always work out like that, it's true. But assuming others can't handle it 
is both an excuse for you for you not to change and it takes away others agency in having their own thoughts and feelings about change it also doesn't teach others that change is possible and highly rewarding oftentimes so i challenge you to take some time and think about what you tell yourself about change are you subscribing to any of these lies and if so what are you denying yourself and others also consider the price of not changing at some point the universe will force your hand and i can almost guarantee you won't enjoy it if that's the case then perhaps considering embracing a change mindset now will give you the ability to make better choices that you can control many aspects of and reap all the benefits that you that change does bring to your life because it does and you can do that before anything goes sideways. So, some deep thoughts to leave you with. And now I have to go make supper. Bye now.